0: Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Wow. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited I can hardly stand it. Somebody said some time back they came over to our church and they said, You know, uh, he was was a guy from the south. You know, he said, I am so excited. I feel like a blind dog in a meat house. I mean, it's like I don't know where to bite. I don't know where to bite first. I feel kind of like that today. And so I'm so excited today. Thank you so much, Pastor Solo and Pastor Sarah. Uh, It's such a joy and an honor for me to be here today. My goodness, what an honor. You know, Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me how many times I find that nowadays I'm beginning to understand the fact that, you know, when you live your life privately and quietly in your own little corner, you don't know what kind of impact that life that you're living is making. Because you might feel like you're over here in in Lincoln and you don't know anybody outside, you know the U.S., maybe you're whatever, but let me tell you, this church is making an impact in the world. You may not be able to appreciate that, but that's the truth. I mean, this church has a lot of influence and a lot of impact in different nations in different ways. And and for me to be here today with Pastor Solo and his family and, uh, you know, Mamastan, oh my goodness. I can't, I just, it was so sweet to see her this morning. She was out there waiting. I mean, it's just so awesome to see her. We love Mamastan. We've been together for I don't know how many years. We've known her forever, you know. We've just known her forever. And she's just such a wonderful, uh, wonderful blessing to us in Kenya. We love her. We just appreciate her. I, I told her sometimes, I, guess I told her, you know, she, she has the most beautiful eyes. At her age, she has, the, she has, you know, when she looks at you, she's alive and strong. I mean, it's like, wow, thank you. I'd love to be like that. And the Bible says that Moses' eyes never grew dim in spite of his age. And so, thank you so much, ma'am. It's so wonderful to see you. Uh, Pastor Jerry, of course, is not here today, but um, Pastor Jerry and Pastor Sue are here. Thank you so much, ma'am. It's so good to see you again today. Wow, what a blessing and an honor. I'm feeling really excited to be here today, and I give glory to God for the opportunity to be able to share today day. That simply means praise the Lord. Amen. We speak that all the time in our nation. Hallelujah! Can we just pray before we enter into the word for just a second? Father, we give you glory and honor you. We thank you for your grace and for your power. We just love you, Lord, and we're so grateful. It's always an honor, Lord, to just be in your presence. We don't deserve to be in your presence. But Lord, you love us and you invite us to come and just to sit at your feet and to be loved by you. And Father, I pray today that you minister to my heart, Lord, from your word and pray for every brother, every sister here that you'll speak to our hearts. And Lord, may your word that is never it never dies. May the word of God Lord, be sown into the depths of our beings today. And Lord, may it bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold to the glory and to the honor of your name. We thank you. We celebrate you. We worship you. We invite the Holy Ghost. We declare, and declare the Spirit of God. Have your way. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your purpose. We thank you for your glory. Thank you for the touch of the hand of God over everyone. Lord, we give you thanks and adoration. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that purifies our hearts and sanctifies us and makes us worthy, Lord, even to come into your precious courts and to receive from you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the power of your Spirit ministering even as we share today in Jesus' name. And somebody shouted a good amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. Pastor Solo said we've known each other from when we were young and all those days. You know, I I like to say I'm still young. It's just that some people are younger. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so happy today and I want us just to go to the book of Luke chapter 13. Please, Luke chapter 13. And we're going to look at the word of God there for just a few moments today. Hallelujah. Uh, Luke 13 and verse number one. I, I don't know if we have, um, you know, if you can project that on the scriptures, I mean on the, on the, on the screen here. Um, Luke chapter 13. And um, if you have the New King James Version, that'll be good. I actually happen to be having a hard copy um, King James, which is good, but if you have a new King James, that would be good as well. But um, Luke 13, verse 1, the Bible says, There were present at that ta- that season of time, that, uh, 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 sorry, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus, answering, said unto them, Suppose ye that those Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Then he also spake this parable to them. He said, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cambereth it eat the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if it not, Then after that, thou shalt cut it down. Hallelujah. Now, this story is an interesting story because uh, different people came to Jesus and they said, you know, Lord, think about this. There are these Galileans that, uh, that Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices. And the way they brought the question to Jesus or the way they brought that situation to Christ, they were insinuating something that Jesus picked up on. He said, do you think then that these people who suffered this tr- terrible fate, uh, they suffered that fate because they were sinners above everybody else. In other words, Jesus picked up on what they were saying. They were saying, you know, th- this thing happened to them because very- this- these people were really bad people. They were terrible people. And so this situation happened to them. And Jesus said... I- let me tell you the truth. It is not because they were worse sinners than everybody else that this situation happened to them. In fact, he went ahead and gave, gave him his own, uh, an example of his own. He said, even the ones that, you know, the Tower of Siloam fell upon. Uh, do you think they were worse sinners than everybody else? No. And then Jesus said, unless you repent, the same situation shall come upon you. You know, Repent. Or else then you'll suffer the same consequences. And the Bible says later on, it says, and then Jesus spoke this parable. Now I love that part of it because now Jesus is making a transition from the discussion they are having to give them a picture to illustrate the reality of what he's saying and open up the heart of God to them so they can appreciate it in human terms. I mean this is why he uses stories. This is why he talks about, this is why he gives this parable situation. He's just comparing uh, a truth. He's trying to bring about the reality of what it is in God's heart to bring uh, bring it in or put it into human terms so that the people can understand it. So he says, there was this farmer and he planted a fig tree and and he says, you know, he, he planted this fig tree in a vineyard and then he came looking for fruit on it. But I want to just to look at uh, you know, that story and pick up a couple of thoughts there that I think are very important for us to understand today. He says, this farmer uh, planted a fig tree in a vineyard. Now, I wondered, why would Jesus tell about a fig tree that is planted in the vineyard? A fig tree in the vineyard. And If you are taking notes, this is the title of the, of the message I wanted to share today. A fig tree in a vineyard. Why would Jesus talk about a fig tree in the vineyard? Because in the vineyard, you find vines. And the vines bear grapes. But Jesus is talking about a fig tree planted in a vineyard. And so he goes ahead and he begins to say, look, this fig tree, you know, um, it, 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 was, it was over here, planted over here. And, uh, and, uh, and then he starts talking about how the, the farmer came looking for fruit on it for several years and couldn't find anything. Several things I wanted us to take note of. Number one. Jesus is communicating a message to these people and saying, I want you to understand, guys, that whenever God plants you in his kingdom, he always expects fruit. He always expects fruit. God is an investor. God is an investor. And every time God invests something into someone, the the parable is clear. The farmer is God, the fig tree is us. The field is his kingdom, the gardener is actually Christ himself. And so, he begins to share this, this, this story. But the, the key thing, there are several things that he points out by simply telling this story. You know, the beautiful thing about parables is that they, they relate so easily. You can just understand what, 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 what the Lord is saying. But so, the first thing he says is, I want you to understand that this farmer planted the fig tree and he expected it to bear fruit. No. So, number one, God always expects fruit from our lives. That is a given. God doesn't plant a so that we can just be beautiful. You know, a fig tree is not decor. A fig tree is not a a flower. It's a fruit tree. So there is fruit expected from the fig tree. And so Jesus is making the point, guys, listen. You are telling me about these people that you you, uh, suppose or propose to be sinners and terrible people. And that's why bad things are happening to them. But I want you to appreciate, no. You yourselves are planted in the kingdom of God. And God expects fruit from your life. Because he's the he's the one that put you in his kingdom. He didn't put you there just to be beautiful, just to enjoy. He put you there so that you can bear fruit. He he's invested in you. He's got he he's got. A, he's got a, he, there's an there's something he wants to get out of your life. He's planted in his body. He's planted in his kingdom, and he has an expectation. God always has. An expectation over our lives. And there's three kinds of fruit that God expects from our lives. Number one is the fruit of character. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, and now this is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control—all these things. These are things that God expects of us. When we get into intimacy with the Holy Ghost, when we get into into when we get acquainted with the Lord and become the, you know part of His family, He puts His Spirit in us, and that Spirit is a fruit-producing Spirit. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit. So the spirit needs to produce his fruit in us and that fruit that he produces is all character related. I don't know about you, but I know when I got born again, I wasn't nothing like I am today. Not that I'm perfect, but I know I had situations and issues in my life. You know, all things that were from my past life in terms of just not knowing the ways of God. I grew up, you know, with a, I was very much... I was little whenever I went to school. I was a young boy. You know, I mean, I was... Of course, I was a young boy. I mean, what else could I be? When I was a young boy, I should say, and uh, I was little for my age. I was small. I was always the little one in class. I was always the, the little, the small one, and so people used to pick up on me. People used to pick on me, and so I was. Uh, I, I got. I got upset with that. I got you know disappointed. With that. So when I got a little older and I went into high school, I decided to learn martial arts, and so I, because I wanted to defend myself, you know. And so I got into this thing, you know, into karate. And I don't want to scare anybody this morning. Hallelujah. You know, all these roundhouse kicks and all this and punching and all that. I remember punching a block one time and I broke it, you know, just with the, my bare fist. And I broke it. And I, nobody was going to take advantage of me anymore. You know, those kind of things. We all have our backgrounds. And, I, and, I, and I, when I, when I uh, got born again, I was full of anger. I didn't realize. I, I acquired anger in learning martial arts. And so when I, you know, when I got born again, you know, I got, I realized that I was angry for nothing. Because now I was born again, I didn't need to get angry. But I was still angry. And so I didn't know what to do. And one day I just asked a brother. I said, brother, would you please pray for me? And I can take you today where this young man took me. He was just a little older than me in the Lord. And so we went to a certain place. And I was in university first year in my college, uh, you know, at that time. And he he just prayed a very simple prayer. It wasn't a spiritual prayer. I mean, it was like, I thought, man, you should have prayed a bit harder, you know. My anger problem is really bad. I mean, you know. And so he, he just said, Father, I pray for John. Lord, I just pray that you help him. Let, 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 help him get free from this anger thing, Lord, and bless him in Jesus' name. And I thought, really? Only that? But amazingly, God set me free from anger just like that. Just like that. I mean, God help me. And so this, this whole idea of bringing forth the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and patience, this is an expectation of God. God expects us to be a fruit. Then the second kind of fruit he wants us to produce is a fruit related to our purpose. You are created with unique gifts. You are created with unique sets of talents. There are capacities you have. There's a world you are exposed to that nobody else is exposed to. You are amazing. You are beautiful in your own way. I mean, there's your unique. Even your height is special. Your 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 your. You know, you're just your features. Are, 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 you, you fit somewhere. You're not a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. You're perfect for where you are. God has a special place for you. Hallelujah. And so what God wants us to do is to bear fruit in that area. There are things that only you can do where you're at. Your purpose demands. Your purpose draws out. Your purpose pulls out of you the things that God expects you to do. And he expects you to be fruitful in that area. I mean, the way you work and how you serve and what you do. Just your smile. Some of us are so beautiful good Smilers, you're just beautiful. Smilers, you know, great hospitality people. There are people who have the Bible even talks about people who have the gift of hospitality. You are so good, so kind, so generous. I would never be you in a thousand years. I mean, you know, I couldn't do that. You are just great with what you're at, how you're wired. Hallelujah. And God expects fruit out of that. It would be terrible for you to be created to be a, hospita- a, 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 a hospitable person. And then you're just mean and, and, and bad. And, and you know, you're walking through life like you're baptized in lemon juice. I mean, you're like, you know, what's going on, you know? God, you, you are created to be beautiful and to shine and to be good. When you're doing your purpose, all of us rejoice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have you noticed that all the beautiful people, all the beautiful ladies, all the beautiful sisters, did you, know, did you realize that your beauty is not for you? You never enjoy your beauty. The rest of us do. I mean, you like it. You like to look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know, and get you a know, brush up and everything. And that's great. And you like to look, make, you know, but you know god gave you a beautiful god made you beautiful so because why because your beauty is just an expression a piece a little piece of an expression of himself through you because god is beautiful you know when god makes somebody strong and great and i mean just you know seriously you know muscle and you know it's just an expression of himself You know, uh, when God makes you an intelligent, smart guy, you know, you, I mean, you just figure things out 16 miles ahead. I mean, you're just great with numbers and beautiful figures and whatever it is that you have. Those are all various and varied expressions of God broken down into little pieces called humans with purpose. So you have a purpose and that purpose is supposed to come at that. God expects fruit out of that. Hallelujah. You need to be, if you're good with figures, do your figures well, man. Hallelujah. I can't fly a plane, but I'm sure glad the guys that are flying the planes did it yesterday. Hallelujah. I mean, praise the Lord. That's their purpose. They got us here. Glory to God. And so, there's something that's connected to your purpose and your gifting and your talents and your capacities and all the, you know, everything. And you look back and all these guys, these gurus, who talk about how you discover your purpose and everything. And so, there are people who can, you know, they look at your life and they even say, when you look back on your life, you can tell from the various experiences you've had how your own life is kind of trying to figure out its path. It's like a river trying to flow through the, the course of the plane and trying to figure out its own pattern. And so it shows you, uh, ever since you were a kid, you know, you always like to play with this. So ever since you were a kid, you had this dream or whatever. It's something, it's a, It's it's like it's a message that is planted deep inside of you and it's always trying to manifest somehow. It's always trying to flow towards the, the best place because that's what you're fashioned fashion for. That's who you are. That's you're, you're supposed to produce fruit in that area. But then the third fruit is to produce, is to produce the fruit of eternal life which is souls bringing people to Christ this is is amazing God said go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature make disciples God expects you and me to bring forth fruit which is fruit in the form of disciples people People being born again. People being changed. People being come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the desire of God. God expects that. When you're planted, you're a fig tree. You may be a fig tree in the, in the vineyard, but God expects you to produce fruit. And I was praying and I was asking, Lord, why, why, why did you put this uh, fig tree, why did you put this story in the context of a, in, in the, why did you uh, t- uh, tell a story about a fig tree in the context of a vineyard? Why are we talking about a fig tree in a vineyard? And it's like the Holy Ghost was just helping me to appreciate, you know what, you can be the only one who's different in your entire setting. Everybody else is producing grapes. You're the only one with with figs. Now don't you look down on your figs. If If you have only grapes, you can't have salad. You can't have a fruit salad, you just have grapes. But you have figs and you have banana and you have apple and you have whatever, then it's all. So your fruit is important. What you have to bring to the table is valuable. Hallelujah. And so the fig tree is representing uniqueness, you have individual uniqueness. Hallelujah. And there, and there are fields and there are places where you can go. You can touch. At every stage of your life, there are things that you can do. There are people everywhere. There are people in wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever station of life you're in, there are people there that need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And God expects your life to be fruitful for him in that space, wherever you're at. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So God wants fruit. And you know what? God is an interesting God. In John 15, I wish you could have it on the screen, but John 15, verse 2, the Bible says, you know, Jesus talks about four levels of fruitfulness. There are four levels of fruitfulness that God expects of our lives. Number one, he talks about the level of fruitfulness called no fruit. Let me just read this here. John 15, John 15, 2. Just real quick here. I know our time is chasing us, but we're going to try and keep it going here. All right, John 15:2. every branch in me that beareth no fruit, he taketh away. So the first level of fruitfulness in a believer's life, in an individual's life, the first level of fruitfulness is no fruit. And Jesus said, every branch in me that beareth no fruit, he taketh away. Uh-oh, sounds the same as he'll cut down the tree, the, the fig tree. You see, God's expectation is fruit. God expects you to bear fruit. God expects me to bear fruit. I cannot give God a satisfactory reason why I cannot bear fruit. It's just an expectation. God is a, God expects, it's like, I don't care your, where you're at, where your station is. If you think about it, if you desire it, you can bear fruit. Wow. Hallelujah. So he says, every, this are this, this in red in my Bible. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I will cut it away. Or oh, He takes it away. The Father takes it away. You know, it's it's a it's a challenging reality. It's a challenging truth, but it's true nonetheless. That God does have an adamant expectation of fruitfulness from His people. God wants us to be about bearing fruit. Hallelujah. God wants us to have more Koreans. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I'm talking about spiritually now. Do you know how many many of you remember we just dedicated Korean to the Lord this morning? Amen. That's the, that's the fruit of the womb. Oh, but glory to God. We not only have, we are incredible. We are spiritual people. We are alive spiritually. And we don't just have natural physical wombs. We also have spiritual wombs. Hallelujah, including us men. Glory to God. The first time I got married, I was the groomer. The second time I'm going to get married, I'll be the bride. Glory to God. Because I have a womb on the inside. God expects me to bear fruit. Hey, hallelujah. God wants me to bear fruit. I must be a fruitful person. So the first level is no fruit. Then he says, but every every branch of me that does bear fruit. uh So the second level is fruit. So you're producing something. So that's the second level. It says, every branch of meat that does bear fruit, he purges, or he prunes, or he cleanses, or he purifies. Another oh, glory to God. Whenever you begin to show signs of producing fruit, whenever there's something coming out of your life, God begins to take away every other excess thing. Everything that will take away your fruitfulness, he begins to cut it out of your life. That's why you see sometimes God begins to change your schedule, change your surroundings, or change your friendships, or change your, you know, all the things around you. Why? Because God is setting up. It's not that devil necessary. Is God moving things out of your way because why I can see in your life you are beginning to produce fruit? So I'm gonna remove the things that suck your time away. All these little suckers that suck life and suck time and suck things and suck everything out of, I'm gonna cut them out of your life, hallelujah! So I can get you to a place where you can be planted and continue to produce more fruit. Why? Because the third level of fruitfulness is more fruit. Every fruit, every branch that bears fruit, he cut it he cut it, he cut out he it purchase it I'm preaching faster than my words can come out (laughs) I'm I'm running time I'm running okay alright thank you Pastor Solo glory to God I mean if you can listen fast I can preach fast (laughs) glory to God hallelujah this is a great place this is a good church come on give the Lord a hand clap let's give the Lord a hand clap So when you're a place where you're producing fruit, then God says, hey, this is exciting. This is glorious, beautiful. I'm going to cut off every little excess so I can take the energy and the life that was going to go out and produce just leaves. I'm going to cut that thing so the life that was going to produce leaves can produce fruit instead. Hallelujah. And so there's many of us where we are at a place where, you know, we don't know what's going on. And shiftings, and there are things shifting in our lives. And things are happening, there's changes, there's all kinds of things. What, what if you just stopped and prayed and said, God, what's the purpose of these shiftings? Is there something you're doing here, God? What's, your, what's, what's the focus of all of this? Where are we going with this, Lord? Help me to appreciate what's going on. What's going on in my life? Hey, God says, you know what, son? You know what, daughter? I want to produce more food out of your life. I'm pleased with what you're doing. But you know what? I want to take it to another Level. I want to rev up the engine here and give you to take to a whole nother level here in the name of Jesus. So that's a, that's the third level. And then he says, then in verse 4 he says, You know, because when you bear much fruit, then I'm glorified. So no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. What God really wants is much fruit. Oh man, God would be so blessed and so excited if you took your time and just brought people to Christ every day. I remember D.L. Moody up just over here in Chicago. Grew up there and he was had his ministry there many, many years ago in the 1800s. Bible say, not, well, no, preachers like the Bible says. Preach, the Bible doesn't talk about Moody. It just <laughs> just people. You know, I hear this testimony that he never, at one point in, in his life, he he chose to never miss a day without sharing the gospel with someone. One day he, he, he walked out of his house, I mean he was in his house and he was studying and reading the whole day and when he looked up, it was six o'clock in the evening and he was like, uh-oh, I haven't shared the gospel with anybody today. So he took, out, he took off of his house, he went running to the street and the first person he met he said, excuse me, sir, do you know Jesus? And the guy said, you must be dear Moody, right, how are you? <laughs> Must be the moody, I said, Yes, sir. But do you know Jesus? You know, so the thing is, God is blessed when we bring forth much fruit, hallelujah! So, God expects fruit. But then, watch the second thing from this parable that Jesus told, He said, I've been coming to this fig tree and found no fruit. So, number one, God expects fruit from our lives, but number two, he expects fruit personally from our lives. It's this specific victory. I don't see fruit in your life. Sometimes it's easy to hide in a crowd. Sometimes it's easy to say, you know, our church, our ministry, our deal, our this, our the other is doing good. You know, I have an anger problem, but you know, um, the rest of the church, we're really pretty kind people. We're wonderful people. So it evens out, you know, it balances out. <laughs> no, God expects fruit from our lives personally. It's an individual relationship, Pastor Chris. It's a connection that God is looking for in our lives, between our heart and his heart. He wants to produce his fruit in our lives individually. Glory to God. Jesus said, this particular fig tree, I've been coming over here for the last three years and I see nothing. And so you can't say that, you know, I'm a fig tree. We, you know, I happen to be in a, a, a field with a bunch of grapes and these grape guys are doing good, man. I, I'm having a, big, a bit of a challenge here. So it's just, Lord, just be happy with the rest of the fruit. I'm, uh, I'm in the right field. I'm with the right crowd. Uh-uh. I want your fruit. I want your flavor. I want your specific expression. I want you to produce your fruit. Hallelujah. God expects fruit from us individually, personally. Hallelujah. And so, because God is delighted with our individual connection. Which parent here? Oh, sorry, sir. (laughs) I like, every time I preach, I like to punch men. I don't touch ladies. (laughs) I don't touch the lizard, I just punch the man. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Which parent here does not enjoy their one-on-one connection with each of their different children? We all know they're different. And there's just something different about every one of them that is just so precious and so different from everyone else. Even the difficult ones. Glory to God. There's something that is just different about them, you know. Maybe their difficulties. What is different about them? But anyway, we love them, and you know, this, this is some. You know, they they're all they're little different personalities. You know, some are feisty and wow, wow, wow. Others are like, hmm, you know, others are sharp and others are analytical, and they ask ten thousand and fifteen questions. You know, I mean, before they can move in one, 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 one. Why, dad? Why do I have? Why do I have to do this? When should I do this? Why should you know? They keep, just keep pushing the envelope. Just checking a little bit. How far can I go with this? You know, how, how far? What can I get away with? You know. They're all different. God wants us as, our, as individual people to produce fruit that is unique to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ah, wow. And then look at the third thing from this story. He expects fruit. He expects fruit personally. But number three, he expects fruit personally in our season. In our season. Because Jesus said, I've been coming for three years. I haven't found any fruit. I I did a little study and I realized that fig trees mature and begin to bear fruit anytime from three to five years. So, what Jesus is saying is, this farmer must have waited for the maturity period to come. So, probably after four years. And so, I mean, he didn't plan and come looking for fruit tomorrow. He, he gave it time. He let it grow. He let it develop. It got to a point where it was now ready to be producing fruit. Every other fig tree produces fruit by now. But this one, nothing. So he gave it a year. Nothing. Second year. Nothing. Third year. Nothing. Nothing. Cut this thing down. And this is, this is really the crux of the mother church. Jesus was basically saying, guys, if you had a tree that you planted for the sake of fruit, and after three years of waiting, what would you do if it had no fruit? As a regular human being, you purposefully planted this f- fruit tree for fruit and you checked it out and you gave it everything it needed and you gave it time, but after three years, it still had nothing. What would you feel? What would you do? He so, cut this thing down, man. It's not, it's not producing, it's not, it's not living out its purpose. Yeah. So, it frustrates you. And you feel like, well, something is wrong. Either the tree is bad, or the ground is bad, or something is bad, so let's just get rid of the whole situation. And what Jesus is saying is, hey guys, I want to peel back the curtains of heaven for you. I want you to look into the heart of God. When you live a life that is fruitless, I want you to feel, I want you to appreciate the feeling that goes on in God's heart. This is what God, this is, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to find a feeling at human level that will help you appreciate the feeling in God's heart when you don't live a life of fruitfulness. And he says, look, when there's nothing out of, coming out of your life, God will give you a year, God will give you two years, God will, give you, God will give you time. But there comes a point in time when God gets exasperated. It's like, come on, man. What's the deal with you? Look, you, you have all the potential to produce. It's not incapability that you have. You're not incapable of producing fruit. Something else is blocking your fruitfulness. And God's heart gets frustrated. God's heart is, you know, I mean, you know, God is like, come on. Something needs to happen. And this is the message Christ was telling the, 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 the people that came to him with this story. He said, look, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I'm sure the guys were thinking, repent from what? We just told you these guys were, I A pilot killed them. And the tower of Siloam fell on the, you know, can so, you, you tell us to repent? Repent of what? They didn't see unfruitfulness as something to be repented of. They didn't realize that in, as far as God's heart is concerned, being fruitless or unfruitfulness, there was an element of will involved. because we cannot repent unless there's an element of will involved. So there's a willingness here that God is talking about unless you repent of your unwillingness to engage with God to the place where you bear fruit. And this is why God is so insistent on that. Jesus said, unless you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear no fruit. That connection with God. You know what fruit is? Fruit is excess life. Fruit is just extra life, more than enough life, over and above. You gotta have so much life in you that is more than what you need, so you're freely sharing everything else. The problem, uh, the problem we have is many of us are living with just barely enough for our own selves. And so we are almost exploding all the time. We're living on the edge because there's not enough for us. But hey, God is saying the source is more than sufficient. God is more than abundantly available. God can provide for you plus extra, plus extra, plus extra. You have much more available than you're utilizing. The problem is not the availability. The problem is what you're utilizing. Fruit is excess life. And he said, unless you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Hey, you will you bear nothing. So the, the, the reason there's no fruitfulness is not because it's challenging out there, it's hard out there, it's ABC out there. No, it's because you don't have life. Well, you don't have extra life. You need extra life, you need to have so much life. It's about, in fact, God is saying, I expect you to carry more than enough life. Matthew 25. The Bible says, you know, Jesus told the story about these virgins, the ten virgins. You know, five were wise, the others were unwise. What was the difference? Uh, It was just the extra oil. These other guys pre-thought the situation. They thought ahead. They said, well, if we run out of oil, we won't have time to come back and get more. So we just carry extra. If we need it, great. If we don't need it, great. And because they carried that extra the bridegroom delayed. By the time he was coming, they, their extra became necessary. Ah, God always wants to equip his people with more than enough. Our God is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the God that's more than sufficient, hallelujah. And he wants you and I to have a capacity to carry more than we need. You know, when you carry only what you need, you're thinking selfishly. You're thinking, you're thinking is so small. You're just thinking about me. I, I, I and the rest can die. What God is wanting is for you to have a greater thinking capacity, a greater weight, a greater, I mean a more and more open mind. Say, hey God, I'm thankful that you are more than enough. I'm thankful that I have a God who is who who has more stars than in his use of. I know I'm in connection with a God who created oceans too big to even comprehend. I know that I'm I'm, I'm dealing with a God who is over and above and excess and beyond and and incredibly beyond enough. And I want to be I'm that kind of God. I'm God, I'm that kind of child. a child of that kind of God and I'm made in the image and likeness of that God so hey God I too I'm gonna to be like you I'm gonna carry more than I need uh, more than enough because why I am your child and I'm here to represent you Amen. the word represent literally means to re-present it means to present again so if i'm a representative of god i am presenting god again the problem we have where we don't bear fruit in many times is because we are presenting another god we're presenting a god of little a presenting a god of little lack we are not presenting the original god the god is more than sufficient hallelujah the God is loving enough great enough big enough mighty enough to take care of every situation Glory Glory to God. Ah, Pastor Solo, I know I had more to share, but I know our time is going, but I have to share this. Hallelujah. Yesterday, coming over, you know, what, 38,000 feet above sea level, closer to God up there. And I was praying about this today because I knew, you know, service today. And I was just praying, God, you know, just what do you want to share? What do you want to say? And this is what I heard the Holy Ghost say. Oh, glory to God. I'm I'm thankful to the Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I wrote it down, so I don't want to miss what he said. Let me just read from my notes here because it's so special. Hallelujah. I heard the Holy Ghost say this. He said, this church... Hands at the cusp of a breaking forth. He said, "Effort has been being made, and heaven is pregnant with an answer." He said, "Heaven is pregnant with an answer." He says, "God will reward faithfulness that has been going on for years, but there is a trigger that is needed to trigger the answer of heaven." And he said, "That trigger is intentional stepping out. Intentional stepping out. That you know how it is. Even if a grenade or whatever you know, every bomb has a thing. That even a, a gun has a trigger. You know, something needs to. You know, and there's something. God, everything is loaded, but the trigger needs to be pulled." And then the whole thing will break out. And I had the Holy Ghost saying, he wants to reward faithful. In fact, he said, God will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I just felt, you know, God was saying, if this church would be intentional about stepping out, and doing something about their community, doing something in terms of reaching out, bearing fruit, if there could be more intentionality in terms of bearing fruit, God will release the the reward that he's been holding up in heaven. Hallelujah. God is so ready. God is so desirous. He wants to open up the, you know, the, the, the heavens and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in you know in one day god can bring god can fill this church twice hallelujah but there's there's that there's that intentionality there's something that god is wanting from the church god wants us to represent him a right, and to show who he really is in all his various forms, and none of us has his full expression. We're all just portions of his expression. But if you all go together, then we present a fuller picture of who he is. Hallelujah! And and one of the things that that that, that the blocks, the reason this future tree was not bearing fruit, Jesus said, "Why does it use up the ground?" The master said, "Why does it use up the ground? It's just eating, and it's, it's not producing anything." And this is what I learned. You know, he says. I asked, what's what's the problem? Why does the fig tree not bear fruit? Because it has a consumer mentality. It's about me. Bless me, pray for me, deliver me, lay hands on me and legs on me. Just (laughs) help me, feel me, bless me, pray for me. You know, I mean, just do everything for me. I am the focus of me. And because I'm the focus of me, Jesus said, it cumbers the ground. It's using up the ground. It's eating up everything we're giving to it, but it's doing nothing. All of it is going to itself. It's thinking selfishly. It wants to be blessed and everybody else without. Jesus said, that's the wrong mentality. Cut it down. But thank God for the gardener, the intercessor who said, sir, I hear you completely. I hear you totally. But please, would you allow me give it one more year? One more year. Hey, please, one more year. And I will dig around it and I will put fertilizer around it. I will remove the weeds. Give me one more year. After that, if it doesn't bear fruit, sir, thy will be done. You know, The Lord was teaching the people of his day and us. And all men throughout generations. He says, God, guys, God gets frustrated with you. But I'm making intercession for you. Asking God to give you one more chance. Remember how when Jesus was talking to Philip? You know, he just said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. John 14, 6. He says, you know, and then John 7, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And it suffices suffices for us. And Jesus said, Philip, Philip, have I been so long with you and you still don't know who I am? Don't you know whoever has seen me has seen the Father? I mean, Jesus was like, okay, guys, this is, you know, come on. I've I've been here with you all this time. You still don't recognize the Father? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I am him. When you look at me, you see him. You know, sometimes God gets frustrated with us. Jesus said, "One more time, or some, some, You know, another time he said, "How long shall I bear with you?" Mark nine. You know, the the, feel, the, the boy with the with the epileptic situation. You know, he says, ah. "You know, we, do your disciples tried to cast the devil out. You know, like he, he's still thrashing and kicking out there. You know, nothing is. You know, he, they try, nothing has happened." Jesus is like, "Okay, how long shall I bear with you?" Sometimes. God gets frustrated with us. It's the truth. It's like, come on. But then Jesus said, there was the gardener who said, sir, please give it one more year. Can I tell you something? There is a season of grace. There is a season of grace. Jesus' prayers highly secure us seasons of grace. And they and we just don't know when we might not have another opportunity anymore. The cutting down of the fig tree represents no more opportunity to bear fruit. Yeah. The day will come when you won't have another opportunity to bear fruit. When you pass on to glory, you're not going to go to hell or anything. If you're born again, I mean, you go to heaven, yes, but you'll have nothing. Let me finish with this story, Pastor Solo. Hallelujah. There's a man of God many years ago, many of you probably know him, but I don't know, maybe in the States it wasn't very popular, but there's a guy from Wales, of all places, Wales, England, and he, had, he used to write booklets that were called Every Day with Jesus. They were devotionals, you know? I mean, he put out like two or three devotionals a year, you know, January to February and, or March, and then April to May, whatever. And... Um, He was very popular, his name was Selwyn Hughes, you know, Selwyn Hughes is a big name in in, in our country and other places, you know, because these devotions were very, very popular. Well, he was a pastor of a church, so one day, he slept and he had a dream, and in this dream, he went to heaven, and an angel met him, and he said it was a very, 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 he he came to our church, I think you remember Pastor Solo, way back in the city stadium, you know, he came and he was preaching and he shared this story, he said, you know, he went to heaven. And in his dream, the angel that met him took him around and showed him the homes of the elders of his church. Ooh, beautiful homes. Whose house is that elder so-and-so? Whose house is that elder so-and-so? And the angel kept him, and the angel asked him, would you like to see your house? He said, of course. I said, I can't wait to see it. And the angel began to lead him to a place that looked like a construction site. So he thought, "Mm, well, maybe it's a detour, you know, we'll just cross over here and go. And the angel says, now look, this is your house. They come to a place of a house under construction. And he's like, this is my place? said, yeah, this is your place. He said, I know you don't make mistakes in heaven, but you've made the first one today. (laughs) Mr. Angel, I don't mean to be rude, but I was the senior pastor. I was the pastor. These brethren were the elders. They said, no, 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 we know. We're aware. We know. So, but I don't understand. How can they have much more beautiful houses than I do? And they said, well, the angel told me. he said, for us, whatever you walk in obedience on earth, it supplies material for us to build. So your actions of obedience on earth are converted into building material in heaven. So we are working with what you've been sending us. And suddenly he woke up. And God spoke to him and said, you are responsible for your reward in heaven. Your service, your works of obedience, when you step out and do something for the kingdom of God, you are creating an eternal reward for yourself. And brothers and sisters, there is nothing dearer to the heart of God than souls, people's lives. Think about it. All of us here today, here we are enjoying the goodness of God, the presence of God, the favor of God. You know, we are blessed. We have peace in our hearts and peace in our homes. Yeah, we're not everything is not 100 percent, but hey, we're good there are people out there that this would be heaven for them. This would be heaven. It's like they can't believe that this even exists on earth. And these people need our engagement. Everybody has value. Everyone has created value. And God expects us to share the love of Christ. The message of the cross. Forgiveness of the blood of Jesus brings them back to the place where that created value that they have is redeemed and is used and expressed for the kingdom of God.